Factory Stock Podcast Episode 2, dropping now. The Amelie Motor Oil NHRA Gator Nationals coming up. Race 1 and 2017 champ David Barton looks to shake off a nightmare season one year ago. It's one of them seasons. I just had a lot of bad luck and tripped over myself one race after the next. You know, I qualified well at most and uh, just wasn't the season for me. Jeff Turk, driver of the Blackbird, ran in the sevens with Mopar, has switched manufacturers, now a member of the Ford camp, and racing to make this race. He thinks he'll be competitive. He's moved to the Blue Oval. What does Turk think, and why did he make such a change? The opportunity presented itself to really, you know, team up with some great people. Uh, and those great people start with Carl Tasca and his entire team. Cobra Jet driver Don Fazell, the Daddy Warbucks, has been going since 2008 and now is committed to the Sam Tech Factory Stock Showdown. Daddy Warbucks is on Factory Stock Podcast to tell us about his car, about how much more competitive it will be here in the 2019 season. The car is going to be far more competitive than it was last year with the new rules changes and the sub of newer engines into the older cars. It's really going to help the older cars and keep them alive in the, in the class. So we're really excited uh, for this spring and this summer to really see what Daddy Warbox can do. Those are the drivers that will be joining us on this edition of Factory Stock Podcast. My name is Joe Costello, and I'm your host as we delve into the factory wars, drag pack challenges, Copo Camaros, Cobra Jet Mustangs that look just like the car you drive or the car you wish you could be driving. Win on Sunday, sell on Monday. That's the goal. That's the reason for the exercise. So stick around. Go to Apple Podcasts, click subscribe, write a review, and never miss an episode. It's time to get into it with the Factory Stock Podcast, all brought to you by the folks at samtech.edu. Start your education at full speed with the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. Accelerate your career as a high-performance engine builder with classroom instruction and practical hands-on experience in the lab, on the dyno, and at the track. In addition to the block, head, and CNC programs, Samtech now offers motorsport EFI tuning and an associate of applied science degree. And Sam is a military-friendly school approved to train veterans and other eligible persons under the GI Bill. Start your education at full speed. Go to samtech.edu today. Let's get into it. The Amelie Motor Oil NHRA Gator Nationals race one of the 2019 season. One year ago, David Barton looked to be trying to go back-to-back and win another title in Factory Stock Showdown, only to have it all fall apart. How will he rebound? We are going to find out. Let's get into it with a former champ in the Samtech Factory Stock Showdown, actually a two-time champ. One was the first official, and the first one was just the first one. David Barton from David Barton Racing Engines. David, welcome to the Samtech Factory Stock Showdown podcast. How are you? I'm doing all right, Joe. Thanks for calling me. I'm thrilled to uh, speak with you as we get ready for another season. And you know, this category is just awesome. And everybody is in on it. And I think that the hype 
for the Amelie Motor Oil NHRA Gator Nationals, in addition to being the 50th, this being where this category launches its season, is great. But you were just telling me something that was a little depressing. Tell me what. Yeah, yesterday I, I got my new vinyl for the car, and it was definitely depressing uh, peeling off the number one off the window to put a number nine on there. I'm sure we're not proud of that part, but that's racing, right? Yeah, it is racing, and you've raced in many <laughs> categories and eliminators, but that is a good place for us to start. And uh, every race mm-hmm. last year, I felt like this is the race where David is going to, you know, get it going. And it just seemed like you had a lot of, you know, little issues, nagging issues. When the car was running, you get beaten on a whole shot, crazy stuff. I'm sure you want to forget that season, but if, if there was mm-hmm. one or any one thing that caused it, what was it? Uh, I don't know. It, it, it's hard to put a finger on that one. Uh, as much as I like to blame the Dodgers for being so fast, every round loss that I had was basically just me beating myself. You know, I'd like to point the finger at them for picking up so much, but, uh, just one of them seasons, I just had a lot of bad luck and tripped over myself one race after the next, you know, I qualified well at most and, uh, just wasn't the season for me. So hopefully all that's out of the way and, you know, 2019 will come back around like it was a couple of years ago, hopefully. Well, yeah, if you're going to have bad luck, you might as well, mm-hmm. might as well have it all in one year as opposed to stringing it out. Exactly. And I've always told anyone, like, listen, if I go to the track and I suck, no excuses. I mean, I have all the resources, uh, and I'm not going to blame anyone but myself. Absolutely. So here in 2019, things are a little different. The Ford's going to get uh, more cubic inches. Uh, The Chevrolet's an update with the supercharger, the Magnuson supercharger. Everybody is saying it's great. The test numbers that I've seen coming out of everybody have been considerably quicker and faster, and I am super excited about the season we're going to see. Give us your overview, uh, generally across the categories. The gains for the Fords and the Chevys are phenomenal. Um, In my book, I think it's too much. I think uh, uh, NHRA allowed Ford and Chevrolet to kind of get what they wanted, but I I think we're all going to kind of get depressed after we all go flying out at the Gator Nationals because they're all going to want to slow us down. So I kind of wish they would uh, cut it back before the Gators Um, simply because let's say we all go there and we go 770s. Well, they're all talking how we wanted to stay in the 790-80 range to keep it interesting and safer, which I'm, I'm totally on board with that. But going to the Gators, going 770s, and then they go, okay, well, guess what, guys, we're going to slow you down. Well, what's, what's that going to do for our class? I don't know. That, that's the one concern I have. Yeah, the numbers have been ridiculous in you know, 70s and uh, maybe 60s even, huge mile per hour. But see, my perspective right. as the race fan, like, man, I think that's cool. I think once you're in the sevens, it just becomes a different thing. I would like to see the category be in the high sevens on a regular basis. Trust me, I'm, I'm all for going faster, but we're limited to going 750 in the first place. So, you know, with, you know, with our chassis specs, so what, what's going to happen once we get to 750s that quickly, it's, it's going to kind of ruin the class, I think. So they need to, they do need to scale it back a notch and slow them down. I mean, I like going faster. It's exciting, but it's happening too quickly all of a sudden. Interesting. What are ways that are easy? Um, you know, we hear about these nitro cars all the time that there is no real easy way. I know there's blower pulleys and there's that kind of stuff. Of course there's weight, but these cars are pretty heavy already. Um, what, yep. what, uh, if you're going to recommend something to just slow it down a couple of ticks, but keep it in the sevens, 
790, a great run is a 780 run, something like that. If that's our target, how do we get there? I guess a restrictor plate or, or just simply pulley size. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. What else is there? I mean, it's that's the easy way to do it. You know, you buy a $100 pulley and just change it. You know, that's, that's the easy way or, or put a plate on there. Um, I'm, I'm certainly no expert, but I would think with a restrictor plate, if we all had the same size hole, it doesn't matter how many valves you have or how big the engine is, you can only suck in so much air. So maybe, you know, maybe they'll actually try that. I have no idea. They, they, they tend to not even ask the racers. They just kind of do what they want with the rules. So they put on the event, tell me where it is and I'll show up. <laughs> There it is. And uh, I think a lot of people are going to show up for this one. The Emily Motor Oil NHRA Gator Nationals, 50 years. Of course, this category, relatively new. And uh, last year, the way the Dodges were storming down the back half, um, but everybody got updates. They didn't seem to get any updates. Uh, what is your feeling on the parity of the category where we are now? Personally, just judging by the power we're making and seeing what the Fords have done, I mean, I, I don't really know what the Fords are doing or what they weighed when they're testing, but I think the the Topos may be maybe a couple hundreds faster than the Dodges. Because I, I, between you and I, I, I really think they're holding back. I mean, well, actually, it's real no secret. You know, they they left the line like a pooch, and then they cranked it up and took off. And then, you know, towards the end of the year, they're slowing it down on purpose to make it look like they weren't really that fast. But we all know they're much faster than us they had us by a tenth or maybe tenth and a half so i think we're maybe going to cover them by half a tenth just guessing and and the fords will probably have us by a tenth wow (laughs) who knows yeah well that and that is what's interesting is that we're going to find out for real here really soon it's hard to tell though i mean it's all just you know people playing games and you know testing and we're, we're all testing different weather conditions and there, there's a lot of variables, but the, the Fords have more stroke and a bigger blower and a more efficient blower. So how they got that pass through NHRA is beyond me, but you know, it is what it is and we'll do our best with what we got and we'll try to represent Chevrolet the best we can. Talk a little bit about the parts availability. I, I like to think that there are people who are just getting interested in the category and uh, you know, this is factory stock. You can't you can buy one of these cars, but if you buy one and go straight to the track, you're not going to qualify. You guys do a lot to these cars to get them to run what they run uh, without giving like details. Give me a couple of those things. And the parts that are on the car, like the engine block and cylinder heads, those are factory parts, correct? They are. Yes. Um, You probably got to dump another 50 grand into the car to get a better transmission, different converter, different gearing. you have to update the chassis because the chassis is only good for 850, at, at least with the Copos. The Fords, the Fords are now legal from the factory, but uh, I don't know. Just taking the engine apart and going through it, you know, just doing a normal blueprint deal, bore it out a little more, better valve job and better camshaft and valve train, and it all adds up fairly quick. You know, it's uh, it's just money, though, right? <laughs> well, exactly. Well, and, and this sport of, you know, any kind of auto sport, motorsport in general, whatever it is, tractor pulling mm-hmm. or go-kart racing, uh, you can get in pretty heavy on anything pretty yeah. quickly. But, you know, not not to be confused with some talent, too, though. You, you know, 
we all know in drag racing, you could throw millions of dollars at it, but it doesn't buy you the trophy. You still got to know what you're doing. You got to just be in the right place at the right time and working alongside the, the right people. You know, I've, you know, a, a great team over here and that's what it takes. You know, it's not just the driver or just the engine. It's the whole package. When you size up the competition and the landscape out there, having won a couple of championships, I mentioned the uh, first unofficial one and then the first official one. We talked about how last year was a struggle, but you're getting ready to go again. For those that don't know, you guys are going to run eight races. Size up the competition. Um, size up the competition. Boy, that's a tough one. There's a lot of a lot of great players out there, uh, especially you know these ex-pro stock guys and or actually current pro stock guys like Butner. Uh, someone like Butner, he's always been a, an awesome guy to race, real nice guy, but he, he takes it serious, man. When when you're up on the line, you, you have to give it everything you got. There's no, uh, well, I'm just going to lay back for this guy. I mean, you have almost 30 people entering the category and only 16 qualify to start, and then and then it's game on. You know, it's uh, personally, uh, I think it's all about getting off the line, cutting a good light, and making sure you can make it through first gear without spinning. And then, uh, and then who knows what the, what the extra horsepower is going to do down track too. You know, we, we might hit another wall facing traction down track. I'm not sure. Interesting. It's rate of prep that I suppose. And who else is running your power this year? It, it's something that I'm noticing with the category. It's, um, you know, we've got these different drivers and personalities and tuners and stuff, but there's a couple of like, uh, you know, the Holbrook racing engines, they've got some guys, you know, obviously the DSR guys have got their guys. There's guys with Barton engines. There's guys with Stanfield engines. So let's say there's 30 racers, but there's, you know, uh, six or seven engine sources uh, and then a couple of independents. Who's running David Barton racing engines this year? Uh, Scott Libisher and his, and his son and son-in-law are going to be using our stuff, uh, driving some Copos. Uh, we've got Robert Falcone. Uh, Jesse Alexandra and uh, Doug Hamp. <clears throat> we have a couple guys that jump ship, which is okay. You know that, that's that's understandable, and I wish them luck. Um, there, it, it's hard to take on so many though, and you know that that's I think that has a lot to do with uh, you know some of the things I faced last year, just trying to do too much at, at once. You know, so I'm trying to tone that down and. I hired a guy from uh, that graduated from Santec School, Travis Hilder. He's going to help tune Falcone, Alexandra, and Hamp, so he can. I'll look over what they're doing, but he'll handle their tuning and you know whatever goes on in the pits. That's that's on his shoulders now. I'll just overlook it, and I'm going to do it myself and in Scott Livershire's cars, just to keep it simple and keep your head in the game. What a you great! Know, there's only so only so much you can do in a day, so. Absolutely. What a great plug for Samtech, who is supporting the category, that uh, someone who is a graduate is actually uh, going to be tuning some of the cars that are racing in the category. Yep. Real nice guy, too. How long can one of these engines stay together before you got to pull it apart, go through it? That's something I've been wondering, because they're boosted, and, um, you know, that's going to put additional stress and wear and tear. So, like, what are, like, some of the life cycles, um, without revealing anything that might be proprietary or top secret— um, you know, do they come out after every race? Mine do, because I'm constantly trying to work on them and make them better. But uh, you, you can get 30, 40, even 50 runs out of them. Depends what, what they went through and how hard you're leaning on. Um, you know, last year with the Whipple on it, and then when we're trying to beat the Dodges, we're <laughs> really stretching them thin. And 
you might only get 20 runs before you got to pull it apart and maybe change head gaskets or something. But they generally, they last a long time if you're nice to them. If you're not hitting a rev limiter every run and, and, uh, and, and, and you're hitting your, hitting the shift points and doing everything you're supposed to do, they last a while. Like if I, if I wanted to bracket race it and take a 10th of a second out of it, you could probably get a hundred runs out of it. But, you know, as soon as you start really leaning on it, uh, you know, you're, you're just, asking to you know asking for failure so rather than getting to that point we just take them apart inspect them to be safe make sure the bearings are all right and just all that simple stuff make sure the the rings are still good and uh most importantly the head gaskets that seems to be the the weakest link is keeping the heads on these things interesting well david i wish you good luck I am looking forward to it. You guys are always, uh, you always put on a great show. And, uh, yeah, depressing about the number one. But think of how positive it would be to be able to go out and put a new one on at this time next year. Yeah, we'll see. There you go. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for giving us some insight into your team and uh, who you guys will be powering this year in the 2019 Samtech Factory Stock Showdown season. I appreciate it. Good luck at the Gator Nationals. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, David. David Barton with us here on Factory Stock Podcast. Yes, those are the words. Tell your friends, Factory Stock Podcast, keep up with it. Now, you fans of the Blue Oval and, of course, FCA's Dodge brand, I would imagine that Barton is going to be on the comeback trail, right? He's got to have a bounce back year. Well, we are going to find out. Meanwhile, the Chrysler fans out there losing the Blackbird to the Blue Oval, one of the big stories during the offseason, and he is racing to make the race as we speak. We caught up with Jeff Turk to find out why the manufacturer switch and what went down. Jeff Turk, driver of the Blackbird, no longer joining us now. Jeff Turk. Jeff, welcome to the Samtech Factory Stock Showdown podcast. How are you? Are you ready? Thank you, Joe. I'm ready. Well, we're getting ready. There you go. <laughs> we're working hard. There you go. Listen, um, big change, though, in the offseason from the, from the Blackbird Challenger to the Mustang. Is it going to be called the Blackbird? That's what everybody wants to know. Well, no. Uh, you know, after the uh, SR-71 Blackbird was the fastest manned aircraft, uh, the, the, the powers of be were trying to explore pushing the envelope even further closer to space and faster, and they developed a rocket plane called the X-15, which is actually about twice as fast as the Blackbird SR-71. So the new Cobra Jet's going to be called the X-15. I love it. Now, what is with, give us some insight into your uh, passion for high-performance airplanes and military craft in particular. Well, the, the, as the story goes, I was going to be a fighter pilot that was my objective in life when i was 13 years old i i became about uh 2300 nearsighted and decided that wasn't going to work wandered out in the driveway my brother had drug home a 1968 six pontiac tempest to say he was going to make it a drag racing car and decided if i can't go fast in the air i'm gonna learn how to go fast on the ground so i started working on uh my brother's drag racing car the 66 pontiac tempest when i was 13 years old when i made the switch from being a fighter pilot to a to a drag racer so uh, that's kind of where drag racing started and my fighter pilot days ended but my love of airplanes and fast airplanes and fast aircraft of course was still there yes no i think uh, i think many of us do i was fascinated by the sr-71 as well they had an interceptor version i remember i built a model as a kid and i was like wow there was an offensive uh version of this that they would send out to uh you know like attack missiles that were incoming it's kind of cool how so many in the drag racing world also love planes 
Yep, it's very cool. So Once, like pushing the envelope and running on the ragged edge, that's what this whole thing's about, and, and trying to take you know the momentum we have with the Blackbird and turn it into the momentum that the X-15 created for the U.S. Uh, military, space, NASA. And in fact, those were the first astronauts, the people who, who piloted the X-15. So anyway, we're going to see if we can uh, take that namesake and prove it looks good on a car. There you go. But will it be flat black? I doubt it. Well, you know, I, this has been a long debate here, but I, this, just this morning they put out a thing on NASA because it's the 60th anniversary of NASA, and I looked at the I looked at the X-15, and it's actually kind of a gloss black. So we're probably going to go with a gloss black, a semi-gloss or gloss black with the with the X-15 design. But anyway, it'll it'll be it'll pay homage to the the, the wonderful X-16, and hopefully it'll be faster than the Blackbird, just like the X-15 was. There you go. And I remember you telling me it was like wicked hot inside the flat black blackbird because some it didn't reflect any sun it just absorbed it all and that can make a difference in the summer yeah you figure out pretty quick why they paint solar panels that color (laughs) so jeff the big change from uh chrysler power to ford power this is something that i got to tell you when i saw the storyline i was like surprised because you had had such great success, uh, the first run in the sevens by one of these uh, factory stock showdown sized cars. It wasn't at an NHRA event, but you're the guy who turned on the scoreboard. And uh, to switch, you know, what inspires a move like that? Well, you know, I, I'm a guy whose life's been made up of finding, trying to find the next hill to climb, uh, probably to my own, to my own risk, and you know, some sometimes demise, but. It, obviously, we'd made great progress in the Mopar program. Then we, then we began working directly with the factory to help them, you know, try to figure out why, how we'd gotten where we'd gotten. And then further, we began working with, of course, Leah and her car, and then with DSR, and and you know, continued to work with all three cars and try to help the program. At the end of that ride, we'd accomplished a lot and uh, felt pretty good about it. But you know, needing the next hill to climb, the opportunity presented itself to really you know, team up with some great people. Uh, and those great people start with Carl Tasca and his entire team, who we, interestingly enough, because our last names, Tasca and Turk, you know, at some of the events, they put us right next to each other. And uh, last year, I ended up running a lot of events by myself. And so they, those guys were always there for me, always there to lend a hand. In fact, when I won the race in Atlanta and ran sevens again down in Atlanta the second time, they were there into the late evening helping me. And just great people, great group of people. So those are great people. Uh, I began to get to know the Ford guys, you know, the Ford engineering guys. And, and those are a great group of people at Ford from the, the leaders at Ford who are behind this Cobra Jet program to the engineers, Dave Bourne, and to the guy at the track, Mike Delahanty. These guys are just great people who really understand and know their products. And it's it's a new challenge. So, you know, great products, great people, and new challenges. It's a little harder for me to walk away from that. So we decided to make the switch. Sandy, my wife, my crew chief, was probably the last one to kind of come around to the idea of, you know, hey, we're going to walk away from our success and start over again. And with the financial and time commitment that that meant for us, uh, you know, was something we had to really consider. But, hey, we're in, and, and I can't tell you how happy and excited I am and of course, we've been out. Uh, we've been building engines since December and testing and Tasca's car. And uh, I can tell you that 
I'm, I'm pretty sure that the switch is going to be well worth it. Wow. That, now, that is exciting, and we are just trying to get fans of Factory Stock Showdown fired up and excited for this category to follow along with the points all year to take every race seriously and personally. Now, as far as the, the engines in these cars, your engine builder remains the same. The parts are what has changed. Yeah, absolutely. So Tony Bischoff and the BES racing engine guys, you know, he's not only my engine builder and the guy, I mean, I'm practically an employee there. I clean the toilets when I'm there dyno testing. So I, you know, I've really developed a great partnership and beyond that, a friendship with himself and many of the, many of the critical guys there. So clearly that was going to be where we took the engine program. So we're doing the engine program for both, you know, kind of the TNT racing team. That's Tasca and Turk or Turk and Tasca. Either way, either way, it's okay. It's uh, TNT and for also Randy Eakin. So we're running, we're going to do three engines, uh, you know, for three cars essentially for the Cobra jets. And we're going to use Tony Bischoff and the BS racing engines. But as you said, the parts are quite different. We did start out just building the 16 combination uh, Cobra jet engine just to make sure we kind of had our feet on the ground and understood, you know, how to make these engines work. Uh, obviously, Tony Bischoff and his team have had plenty of experience with the modular Fords, but, you know, in this application and these factory shootout kind of combinations we had. So we built a 16 motor, which we ran last year. We put that in the car and we went down to uh, South Georgia Mountain Park and tested that in early December. Uh, the first pass was in the sevens using last year's combination. So we were pretty happy with that and then, uh, tweaked that a little bit and kind of learned some stuff. And then we built almost the new combination, not, not quite cause we were lacking the, uh, this longer stroke crank that's going to be approved is approved now. And we went ahead and tested that with the new supercharger and uh, other relatively small changes in the engine. And we tested that here in uh, early February. And we just got off the dyno, the first two of the fully new configuration engines look great on the dyno. And one of them sitting in Randy Eakin's cars as of this morning when I talked to him, and the other one's uh, probably about right now halfway in Tasca's car. Wow. Excellent. All right, let's focus in on this, because this is something that I think is very interesting, and we kind of have just stumbled upon it in that, I think that the reason people are listening and people are rushing to the track to see these cars is because they like the idea that the parts are available to purchase, that this is something that I know you guys are taking them and doing your own stuff to them, but these are Ford parts. They are Ford parts from Ford and uh, Chrysler parts from Chrysler and Chevy parts from Chevy, and there is a stock element to it. And to me, that just makes it cool. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you know, and that's especially true in the Ford program and, you know, to varying degrees in the Chevy and the and the Chrysler programs. But in the Ford program, you know, the GT500 just announced the baddest of all bad Mustangs on the street, of course, is a supercharged, you know, uh, a Coyote motor, very much akin to what we're running. Uh, in these cars. So there's a very strong connection to the ones on the street. And these Cobra Jets, uh, in a way that goes beyond anything I've seen so far, really has the factory heavily involved with Watson Engineering and the, and the Ford engineers designing these cars from the ground up and producing them, you know, essentially at the factory. In fact, my car was painted at the factory, was built largely at the factory. Watson did a lot of work after that, as he's doing to all the 68 Cobra jets that are being built, but they are factory pieces. And in the case of the Ford program, 
these factory parts are widely available. You know, they make sure that there's going to be plenty of teams out there that are competitive, and those, all those competitive teams have the parts they need. And the parts, quite bluntly, compared to my super stock Hemi days, which, which will always uh, be the high bar in terms of pain, suffering, and financial commitment, but <laughs> <laughs> in terms of the super stock Hemi days, <clears throat> I mean, these parts are very inexpensive comparatively. Oh, wow. So, and the four... In the Ford program, they really strive, and you can see it with the number of Ford teams that are going to be fielding very competitive cars with the new supercharger and the new engine configuration and all the new parts at this very first race. And, and even though that's uh, that's the case, they actually haven't built officially finished the first of these Cobra jets and shipped it. They've they've made sure people had the parts to reconfigure their 16s and they had the parts to build these engines so that there will be a strong contingent of of Fords outrunning the new stuff, including, of course, my, my partner Tasca and my, my good friend Randy Eakins at this first race here in Gainesville, and, in, and then, of course, in Bradenton and then Gainesville. So what do you think about where you are at compared to what you have heard the competition is at. We know, and I've referenced a couple of times early on that, uh, and you were a big part of it, that the uh, the Dodges were really fast in the second half of the racetrack one year ago, making big speeds, but there has been some rules changes to bring everybody closer together, and they've kind of like reset uh, the etch-a-sketch, so to speak. We're going to see most people in the sevens, maybe even an all-seven-second field, but you've seen the numbers. You see social media light up. You know that everybody is quicker and faster now. You know that the stand fields have let uh, really run some good numbers down there with Stephen Bell. Um, you know uh, what the, the DSR cars are capable of, uh, and Kevin Helms, of course, doing his thing you know what you guys have got what do you think we're going to see as we get ready for this first race in 2019 the gator nationals well i think you're going to see spectacular runs the the uh the new superchargers you know and and i have data on you know engine test data on both the chevy with the magnuson blower and of course these fords with this new whipple supercharger just a fantastic improvement uh, you know, a bigger improvement than I would have bet you a lot of money before you ran the first one that many of the claims that I was hearing from the, some of the other Ford engine builders were a little exaggerated. Having run them, I could tell you they weren't exaggerated. This Whipple supercharger is a thing of beauty. And I mean, a thing of beauty. It's just fantastically better than the 2.9 liter Whipple supercharger we were running. And the Magnuson clearly has a huge advantage also over what they were running. So bottom line is those are pretty big changes in those superchargers. And, uh, you know, those are going to produce some spectacular improvements in ETs and mile per hour, as you've seen in the test data. So I think, uh, you know, the Chevys and Fords are going to be very quick. Uh, the, the, the Chrysler guys, you never count Kevin Helms out in the DSR guys. Cause you know, those are Terry Schneider, Kevin Helms working the cars and, and Leah focused and very capable driver. And Mark also a very capable, experienced driver. You never count those guys out. And we all know that the fastest car doesn't always win the race. So I wouldn't count the Mopar contingent out, but they do have a big hill to climb against these new Chevy and Ford combinations, which are, you know, in testing, clearly putting out big numbers and the testing we did in, uh, in, you know, early February here about a month ago. Uh, just fantastic results. So we are all going to bring 
bring a lot of heat to it this year. I mean, Stanfields and Bell and that crew are just you know top-notch guys. You know how to connect all the dots in a car because it's more than making power. You got to get it down the track, and uh, and keep it stuck all the way down the track, and and use that power appropriately. And those guys are top-notch. Uh, not to count the Barton crew out either. They are also. And then with the Forge, you look at all the people you have in the Forge, the Skillmans and Tommy Lane, uh, you know, pro stock guys that had to fight that battle and scrape out every hundredth they could. Those are guys are going to be fully in the game this year. You got Butner coming back in, longtime sportsman racer, great driver, you know, and and a great crew of people preparing his car. The Skinners, uh, I mean, just tons of people running these Cobra Jet combinations that are just going to be tough. So it's going to be very, very tough sledding out there, and I think your prediction of uh, all seven-second field could very well come true if Gainesville's got good air. How great would that be? Jeff, uh, good luck as the season gets started. Thank you for coming on to give us your team's perspective as you get ready to go out there. You're making the big switch uh, to the Blue Oval. There are a lot of Ford fans out there that are loving this category. There are a lot of people that are totally new to the category they maybe have a Mustang that maybe is their car that they love, and they get to see one on the racetrack that looks just like it, except yours is going to be going in the sevens. And that is bringing a lot of new people in. In my opinion, that's what I'm feeling and sensing. Uh, we'll see if it is truly reality coming up here real soon. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for giving us some insight into your team. All right, no problem, man. And, and the X-15 will probably not make its debut, unfortunately, at Gainesville because of the timing of being able to get the car. But Tasca and Eakins will be out there as long as the other fast forwards, and we'll try to put it at the front and see if we can't win one. There you go, Jeff. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. Jeff Turk with us on Factory Stock Podcast. The X-15, they're racing to make the race. They're trying. It may not happen, but they will be back for the remainder of the season. Very interesting. Turk and Tasca going to battle it out. We still have Don Fazell to speak with on this show. Daddy Warbucks, one of the older cars in category, has been retrofitted to compete against the modern 2019 stuff. But before we do that, it's time to check in with Samtech.edu's Brian Massengill to talk about the category and the class and the whole thing that we got going on here at the Amelie Motor Oil Gator Nationals. Brian Massengill is back. Brian, are you ready? Joe, I'm 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 getting ready. I'm getting packed right now for this flight I've got coming out to Florida here in a in a day or so. And uh, and buddy, we are we're going to see some stuff. I I I I'm very excited about the possibility and the potential of what this is. Um, before we get some rules changes and maybe different pulleys and and different uh, throttle body sizes, anything like that, that's going to slow these cars down. But right now, NHRA doesn't know what these cars can run. We don't know what these cars can run. And so they're not going to make a change until we're on the track and after the race. And it's it's going to be exciting. And that's what everyone has been telling us, that number one, they're all working incredibly hard. Number two, it is pure and total speculation what the competition is capable of. Everybody seems to know what they're capable of and what they put up, and it's quick and fast. But what are the other guys doing? Who's holding something back? Who's sandbagging? How much did they weigh during testing? What was the air? All of these factors are unique to wherever the people were testing. Now we're going to be on the same track at the same time, and all that goes out the window. It's put up or shut up time. That's it, and and it is. Um Man, I gotta tell you, and I, I don't want to speculate too much here, but uh, you know, we we get a lot of rumors. We've got a lot of graduates out there, and and a lot of friends in this industry, and um, 
also people who just like to talk. And there are some crazy rumors out there about some crazy numbers. And I, I don't know if eight seconds will qualify. Uh, that is that dangerous to say? I don't know that we're going to see. I, we could see an all seven second field if the weather is right, if the track conditions are right, and and that is something that if you told me three years ago, uh, sixteen car field, all in the seven seconds, that would be that would blow my mind. And yet here we are. I I I, I wouldn't be shocked if it if that happens. Um, I I know that our number one qualifier is going to be running in the sevens uh, again, contingent on track and and temperature and, and air conditions and everything like that um but but this could be one of the most special races in the history of this class uh, again before we kind of go in and make it more competitive for everybody um uh kind of the way the nitro teams did where where they changed up some of the track prep to help out some of the um the the smaller teams but this is going to be a special event. Uh, it's already a special event because it's the 50th Gator Nationals, but us getting to run there, uh, you know, it's it's been our opening race uh, since we've been the title sponsor of this class, and, and it's such a great track. It's, uh, it's always a great event, but this could be our breakout event. Absolutely, and the 50th year of the Gator Nationals on a brand-new all-concrete track surface and uh, hopefully it's going to be you know smooth as glass and everybody's going to be able to get down there we're hearing in our conversations numbers like you know 180 miles an hour 179 miles per hour uh, big power everybody talking about the new superchargers and how they were surprised at how much more power they made like yeah we didn't make just a little more power we made a lot more power and the challenge of this class is getting that power to the ground in the end it's racecraft right you can have everything but there's somebody lining up in the other lane and they're going to try to get to the stripe ahead of you so you be able better be able to get that power to the ground yeah that that is that has been our equalizer for a long time right now is is that nine inch tire um, if we had a 10-inch tire, these guys would be running some crazy 60-foots. But you go back and look, and you can see they're really taking it easy for that first 60, 100, 120 feet out there uh, to make sure that they get down the track. Step one, cut a light. Don't go red. Step two, get out of get, – get off the line without spinning. And, and, and they've done an amazing job so far, and, and I know that track's going to be prepped so well. Um, like I said, I just hope the weather cooperates. Uh, it's supposed to, and, and we're going to have a great race. But, uh, but yeah, getting that, getting all that power, you know, uh, these crazy numbers, whether it's 13, 14, 1500 horsepower, uh, to the ground on a nine inch tire in a car that's almost 3,600 pounds. That's, that's kind of insane. And, <laughs> and we've got, we've got over, over uh, 20 guys and gals that are ready to go do it, and and it's been a long off season for them. They're ready to get back in their cars. I know they've all been testing, but it's different, and it's going to be even more special because it's the 50th anniversary of the Gators. You know, um, there's going to be a lot, a lot of the NHRA um, of our legends there, and and I I expect them to be watching this class a little closely. Maybe some of them see these things getting down, and maybe one or two of them want to jump in and, and try it out. You know, we've got so many great pros already in this class that are representing us so well. Obviously, our champion, Leah. We've got our teammate, Mark. And, and of course, uh, Alan and, and Roy uh, are, are here with us in, in their Dodge also. And, and we've got so many great racers from the sportsmen. Uh, the Stanfields are in this. You know, there's just there's so many great people that are associated with this class. And, and to be on the stage with, 
with these legends with this uh this this 50th anniversary of the Gators it's it's a big deal for us you know it's uh, it's it's great that you point that out Brian and for our listeners out there I, my imagination tells me that or my intuition also that uh, most of our listeners are probably diehard drag racing fans that want to expand their knowledge of this category like what's going on with these cars why are they so cool do they really have power windows is that just uh you know is the guy rolling the window up really smoothly but let's not forget where this all really did get started and i'm going to give you my impression and you tell me like how correct i am but i remember when the drag packs first came out and the cobra jets first came out don garlitz ran stock eliminator in his and he was out there uh you know running in stock because it was so cool to him to be able to go and buy a drag race car from the factory. But then, as is the case with everything, it has evolved. And the pinnacle of that evolution of drag packs, Cobra Jets, Copo Camaros, available in all shapes and sizes. In fact, there's even an electric Copo that is now available. But the top of that food chain, the absolute pinnacle, is Samtech Factory Stock Showdown. Supercharged, quickest, fastest factory cars. It's... It's something that, again, when we signed on, uh, we're entering our fourth season. When we signed on, we didn't see this evolution the way that uh, the way that it's been. And, and the NHRA has been really, really careful about um, keeping everything competitive, keeping everything close, and uh, and 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 they've done a, an amazing job to get us to where we are. Same with the manufacturers, obviously. Um, the dedication of the racers uh, has been second to none in any class I've ever raced in. Um, these guys and gals, they, they take every race as serious as possible. And, and, you know, this might be their second or third class they race, or this might not be the, the thing that they started out their career wanting to achieve, but now it's something that, that they're going to have for the rest of their life to say that they were running in this class. And that's, that's again, just this opening up at this race at the 50th anniversary uh, of the Amley Gator Nationals, is, uh, it, it's, it's something special. And uh, whoever wins that race, um, you know they're they're going to take they're going to take that uh, to the grave with them, and their kids are going to talk about it, and their grandkids are going to talk about it, and the fans are going to talk about it for years and years and years to come. Um, that's really it, you know, the the fan support that we see every race we get we get more and more people uh, coming by. Hey, what time are what time are the factory stockers on the track? You know, where's the qualifying sheet? What did they run? Is somebody in the sevens yet? Are they are they running 180 yet? It's just, it's there's so much excitement around this class. Um, the the fans and the racers and everybody can relate to these cars because it's the same thing they see in their driveway. It's the same thing they see that they're. Uh, boyfriend has or their mom has or their or their brother has or you know it's it's what they grew up working on it's it's what they drive themselves it's something very special class that everyone can relate to yeah very cool let's uh let's get into a couple of thoughts on uh, some of the new players obviously Leah Pritchett and El Bandito and Mark Powick Big story last year. Everybody knows about those two. Stephen Bell, Archie Cohn, second and third in the point standings. Uh, we heard from David Barton, the first champion in this category. I'm going to throw out some other names that are new to the category in 2019 that, frankly, show me exactly what this is all about. Guys like former Pro Stock World Champion from a couple years ago, Bo Butner. How about Bo diving in? Um, you know, it's it's something that I, I've talked to Bo for a few years about, and you know, they they haven't been um, sleeping on this class. They're well aware of everything in this class, 
and um, they've been taking their time, and uh, they they see uh, you know with with pro stock cutting their their workload down and their number of races down, this gives them a more opportunity to get to work on on this uh, class the way that they they wanted to, and uh, we we um, we're excited to have them. Um, you know, having an, a world champion. Uh, come in from pro stock, you know, another world champion, I guess I should say, uh, come in from pro stock and, and getting ready to race with us. That's that's something special. Drew Skillman, similar situation, cut down the schedule out of pro stock last year because he, uh, you know, he was he's a busy guy. He's a very busy guy. This eight race schedule fits right into what he wants to do. And he's basically bringing the, the pro stock team over. Tommy Lane, yeah. those guys, they're coming to run factory stock showdown. And, and, it seems crazy, but that's kind of what it takes. You know, you've got that Stanfield model. Um, you know, when when Aaron and and Greg and and Scrap decided to kind of join this class instead of going into into pro stock a, a few years back, and and you can see all their successes. And it's 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 an accessible class, uh, especially for people who know um, the sport as well as these pro stock guys do. Um, it's it's. It's something that's just so 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 uh, convenient for them. Again, not having this full schedule because a lot of our racers have day jobs that they have to get back to, companies they've got to be running, or or businesses that they have to be running, and and so this fits into their schedule a lot better. Some guys that have been there since the beginning, uh, guys like Chuck Watson, guys like Kevin Skinner that have been out there, gotten wins, battled Skinner at the end of the season. Like they jumped up there and were very competitive, along with guys like Ryan Pretty and the Mountain View Tire team jumping in, brand new cars. Um, I, I think that these Fords are going to be um, the talk of the town in Gainesville uh, after Q1. I, I really do. And I know Ryan's obviously in, in a Copo, and he's got the Mountain View Copo now. Um, but uh, but the, this is going to be something that's, uh, you know, Skinner's been chipping away and chipping away and chipping away uh, to get into victory lane in, in, in this class. And, and he was so close there in Dallas at the end of the year that um, – that uh, it, it's going to be a new season. Everyone's kind of uh, rooting for for as much parity as possible. But I think you're going to see some some forwards really get get behind it. And you know, Watson's had so much uh, uh, success over in, in the NMCI side of things, and and bringing it over here, he, he's done so well. Um, uh, a couple seasons ago, you know, losing the championship to David Barton, uh, our first championship, and and so there's a lot of success there. But they, they want to turn that corner, and, and they don't want to win races. They want to win championships. Uh, all, of our, all of our drivers do, obviously. But, but they've had that success. Now it's time to turn the corner and really make the effort and, and, and become a champion. All races count. Eight races. Eight races for points. No confusion about who gets to drop a race. Which race are they going to drop? Are they going to drop? Did they already drop it? Are they going to drop it? Are they going to make it to all of them? If you can only make seven races, then those are the breaks. You do as best as you can. This is it. This is exciting. Samtech Factory Stock Showdown. The Amelie Motor Oil NHRA Gator Nationals. A factory category. And I know that the folks up there in Detroit, whether it be in the offices of General Motors, Ford or FCA, they're going to be locked in. If they're not at the event, they're going to be locked in on what's going on and how their creations are faring against one another. Yeah, that's it. Um, you know, we've, we've got graduates that are working um, with all those manufacturers and, and they text me about what's going on at the track because I, I you know, I'm, I'm around it where they sometimes get 
uh, I'll say the word stuck in the dyno room, something like that, and, and they're checking in. So they, they do have manufacturers care about this as much as the racers do, as much as uh, the fans do. And uh, I, I want to thank the fans for their continued support of this class. Uh, it means the world to us, and, uh, and, and we're excited to get on the track. There you go, Brian. Thank you so much for swinging by the Factory Stock Podcast. Thanks so much, Joe. Have a good one. Thanks, Brian. Brian Massengill from samtech.edu, the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. He'll be out there, an accomplished stock eliminator racer as well. But now we're going to jump into it with our final guest of this episode, episode two of Factory Stock Podcast. The car is called Daddy Warbucks. He is Don Fazell. Don joins us now. Don, another season of Factory Stock Showdown. Tell me about your ride and how competitive you think you're going to be. The car is going to be far more competitive than it was last year with the new rules changes and the sub of newer engines into the older cars. It's really going to help the older cars and keep them alive in the, in the class. So we're really excited uh, for this spring and this summer to really see what Daddy Warbucks can do. Now, your car has a name on it. And to me, that is, you know, borderline mandatory. If I was in charge of making the rules, I might make sure everybody had a name on it. But uh, I think it is very cool. What is it about this factory stock showdown category that uh, intrigued you so much? You used to have a clutch car and you've really done a lot to be competitive in factory stock showdown. So tell me about like the, you know, what's drawing you to invest so much in this category? Well, I, I love the factory cars. I always have. Uh, going back into the 50s and 60s, we bought new cars every year and made them competitive. Although we drove them on the street also, but they were also competitive. We got new cars every year. And we just carried that through to the new cars. Now, with the new cars coming out in 08, the Ford was first out, so that's where I jumped to in 08. And I got my car in January of 09. And uh, we've kept it very competitive in stock eliminator all these years. We're now 10 years old. And three years ago when factory stock started, you know, we were on the ground floor. And we were the first car into the eights. We were the first car over 150 miles an hour. So the class has come a long way. And now we're heading to the sevens, which is really unheard of. But you'll see possibly the entire qualifying field at Gainesville might be in the sevens, all 16 cars. How exciting so is that? Everybody, everybody, everybody is really enjoying it because there's the Camaros, the Challengers, and, of course, the Mustangs are all involved, and that makes it a whole lot of fun. I think it's great that you are sticking with a tried-and-true uh, version of the car. Like, everybody can't just go buy a brand-new Cobra Jet every year, and it's good to know that they can still be competitive with what they have, and so maybe continually refine the chassis, uh, maybe update the power plant as the rules allow, but still go out there and mix it up with the brand-new stuff. It's a lot of fun to be competitive in an older car. It really is. It's uh, it's really a challenge. But Ron and I both really enjoy that challenge, and... uh we're out to prove something this year that we can be competitive. So uh, we're going to do our best. Now let's go back in your career, Don. Uh, 1967, U.S. Nationals, a modified production. You go to the final round, and you are still competing in 2019. We're talking about 50 years of the Gator Nationals, and your drag racing career and you know even final round appearances extend beyond that. 
beyond that, yes. I've, I, Joe, I've been drag racing since 1956. It was the year I graduated from high school and bought a new 56 Chevy. And we immediately went to Akron Dragway, which is it was a municipal airport in Akron, Ohio, and that's where we started drag racing. It was actually the first drag strip in the East. Wow! And they turned the they turned the county airport into a drag strip on Sundays. So that's where I started, and I've been drag racing ever since. And the sport has gripped you, obviously. Like there is, um, there are many elements that I'm sure you love. I know the cars, and I know the speed. But, you know, what else? As the people have come and gone and new people get in and they do it for a while and they leave, Don Fazell has been involved. Well, it's just it's always been my favorite hobby, and I consider it a hobby. I don't make a living doing this. I, I, I've always had a career in a grocery business, but the car business has been special to me. Not only racing cars, but restoring cars and keeping the old cars alive and um, that's what I've done all my my whole life. At one time, I had seventy classic cars restored, muscle cars, and we've since sold most of those. But I've kept a lot of the special cars. But uh, yeah, we're we're really involved in racing. We have a twenty twenty one weekend scheduled this year, and uh, we're going to be out there fighting for every round win we can get. Are you committed to run all eight? Samtech Factory Stock Showdown races? Yes, I am. Yes, I am, sir. That is cool. And we'll, be, we'll be there. And it, what's, uh, to me, what's exciting about that is that, you know, they changed the rules this year, so no longer can we drop a race, but that locks everybody in, I think. I think people all of a sudden are saying, okay, we're going to do this, and however it goes, let the chips fall where they may. That's exactly right. Everybody feels the same way. I mean, we're all rivals, but we all have the same goal. I mean, everybody wants to win. And that's what makes this class so special. I mean, it's really a special class. And the fans like it, too. Joe, I mean, it brings out a lot of people to the racetrack. And uh, everybody wants to see the new cars and see how fast they are. And then they possibly may, may go buy one on Monday morning when they get out of the races, just like it used to be in the 60s. You win on Sunday and you sell cars on Monday. That's how it used to go. And that's the plan. And a lot of that came back with the with the factory involved. A lot of that has come back. You know, I love so, hearing you say exciting. that. I love hearing you say that, Don, because mm. number one, it makes the sport relevant, which means there's a future because the they got to yes. use they got to use it to sell cars. Maybe not, you know, maybe not a Cobra Jet, but there's someone in the grandstands they can aspire to have a car that looks uh, similar to yours. And in your case, the 2008 Cobra Jet. Okay, well. There might be a for sale 2008 Mustang that some 16-year-old kid might be inspired to purchase because they see Daddy Warbucks. Absolutely. And that's that's the reason we like the new cars. It's all relevant to what people like today. And, yeah, people are into the computer age and are into this and that. But the young kids, young boys that come to these races, they still love cars. And uh, if we inspire them to go buy a newer car, then that's a great thing. And that's what we're trying to do. Now, what about the driving side of it? You got Leah Pritchett. She's the champ. You got Bo Butner coming in. He's a pro stock champ. Allen and Roy Johnson. Like the, the, It's like a light when you know, everything's <laughs> coming to the light. And you've been in the middle of Stock Eliminator for many years, and you've camped out in a class now that a lot of people are coming in, and you're going to get the opportunity to race against stars from all across the sport. 
And that's really exciting for me. I mean, I can't wait to get against Leah Pritchard and to Bo Butner, who I know very well. I, I love to race these people. I mean, it's a lot of fun. That's the challenge we all have. And, uh, you, know, you know, you know, probably 70% of these races are won right at the starting line. So it's who gets the best light. It's who has the best 60-foot times and who, of course, it can get to the end quicker. But it, it, most races are won. Uh, at the starting line. And uh, these cars are all going to be fairly equal, in my opinion, when we get out there. So it's going to be an exciting season. It really is. And I think more people are going to join as the year goes on. The entry list here is over 30 already, and it, it'll stay that way and grow, I'm sure, as the year goes on. So let, let's focus for a moment on the Gator Nationals. The 50th Amelie Motor Oil NHRA Gator Nationals is special for many different reasons. Uh, all kinds of great stuff going on over the course of the weekend. But the start of uh, several categories, Pro Stock Motorcycle and Pro Modified, but the Samtech Factory Stock Showdown in a very short time has carved a very special place at the start of the season. This race that I would imagine people are on their way to right now as they listen is a very special one. What would it mean to be able to put this thing in the winner's circle? It would be the, uh, the best thing that ever happened in my racing career. There is no doubt about it. To win the 50th anniversary of the Gator Nationals would be absolutely huge for myself and my sponsors. It would be huge. Uh, be the biggest thing that ever happened to me in the racing field. Don, thank you for taking the time for the Factory Stock Podcast. I appreciate you. Um, you've been watching from afar, so to speak, uh, even when you were rowing the gears on the clutch car and certainly great admiration for what you have done, but also have the respect for your willingness to change to be a part of this, because this is something that I think is going to push uh, push drag racing into the future. It's very exciting to watch the car. I love the name on the car. I know a lot of fans are going to be in the grandstands rooting for Daddy Warbucks. So good luck to you at the 50th Amelie Motor Oil NHRA Gator Nationals and for the entire 2019 factory stock season. Thank you, Joe. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Don. Don Fazell, Factory Stock Podcast, presented by Samtech.edu, also presented by WFO Radio Podcast, which you can hear during the week, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. So many podcasts, so many subjects, and Factory Stock Showdown now has its own. So you heard from Jeff Turk, you heard from Don Fazell, you heard from David Barton, and the next time we get together, you will be hearing the story of a winner. The winner of race one of the 2019 season of Samtech.edu Factory Stock Showdown. If you're a fan of the Camaro, if you're a fan of the Mustang, if you're a fan of the Challenger, if you love these cars, full-body cars racing at over 175 miles per hour, you want to listen to every edition of Factory Stock Podcast. My name's Joe Costello. Thank you so much for spending a little time with us. We'll see you next time on Factory Stock Podcast, presented by Samtech.edu. You. Start your education at full speed with the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. Accelerate your career as a high-performance engine builder with classroom instruction and practical hands-on experience in the lab, on the dyno, and at the track. In addition to the Blockhead and CNC programs, Sam now offers motorsport EFI tuning and an Associates of Applied Science degree. And Sam is a military-friendly school, approved to train veterans and other eligible persons under the GI Bill. Start your education at full speed. Go to samtech.edu today.